Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of Tough Love Energy podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here with me, and I really hope that the next 15 to 20 minutes will be informative, resourceful, and helpful. This is a topic that you have asked me to talk about. It is, it's not one actually, I wasn't surprised when um, you asked me, but I was surprised by the amount of people that inquired. And it's basically, um, you're looking for information, direction, guidance, advice on how to set up a daily practice, how to create that practice that you can then go on and be consistent with, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditation, um, whether it's breath work, etc. And we will talk about each of them. So I'm very, um, very excited to be able to uh, grant you your wish on that. And as I say, I hope that it's an informative um, section for you. So why this topic? Well, in my opinion, there's a lot of talk at the moment, especially around mindset, around doing the work, around mindfulness, around self-care. Now, the vast majority of that is really good, important conversations happening so that people can get more connected, can get better at tuning into themselves and that they can learn how to go inward and reflect on where they are and where they're going in life. So I think that is such a positive development. We all have different triggers and we have different motivations. And what makes each of us different is also reflected in what daily practice might suit you best. So for me, I needed when I started down my um, my own journey of self-discovery and self-development and of like literally trying to improve my life, I needed to find something that would allow me to to organize my thoughts, to reduce overwhelm, but primarily that would really assist me in slowing my mind down. I was definitely one of those people who was just, and rabbit ears, uh, inverted commas here, far too busy for meditation. Um, Now, I have to admit, and it would be wrong of me not to confess, that in the past I may have been prone to the odd little eye roll when I'd hear someone talk about their self-care routine or their daily practice. And the truth of that is that I just didn't understand what a daily practice was. And I certainly didn't understand the benefits that having one would bring. So what I my intention for this uh, this podcast and this episode, more than anything else, is that you will find that clarity in terms of what are the benefits of having a daily practice. Okay, and I suppose the first place to start is is to really understand why a daily practice and then what is a daily practice? Now, the why, I think for me, again, and a lot of this obviously is subjective and it's my own personal opinion. But for me, creating space is 
is such a powerful thing and such a necessary part of a change journey, of a transformation journey. You know, we want new ways of doing things. We want new things. We want new ideas, new thoughts, new opportunities. But sometimes we overlook and forget that in order for us to be able to receive new thoughts, new ideas, new possibilities, in order for us to be able to receive them, we need to create space for them to land. A daily practice is the surefire way of clearing space. And it's it, this is the reason why I strongly encourage forward slash insist that my clients all at the beginning of our working together will that you know I insist that they introduce a daily practice into the routines if they don't already have them because as I've said if you are looking to make changes if you're looking to make transformation if you're looking to improve your life then you need to to be prepared to do things differently and to make changes and add aspects into your own life. So, you know, you brush your teeth every morning, you have your breakfast, you have a shower and, you, you know, you have your already have your little daily routines. So why not include a self-care daily practice into that? And when we talk about daily practice, what are we talking about? Well, I'm going to list a number of possible options here that a daily practice might look like. And, you know, I also just want to say before you start panicking at the length of this list, and it's not that long, I think of 12, 13 points here or, you know, options. But what I do want to say before you start hearing them is that I am absolutely not suggesting for a second that you should do all of these. What I am suggesting is that you would do at least one of them, that you would find something that you can begin to include on a day to day basis, hence the word daily. Um, and then I, what I'd also add in just as a little recommendation is that like everything else, if we do something constantly and continuously every single day, there's probably a likelihood that at some stage we might get a little bit bored with it and it might start to lose its effect and its impact. And so what I would also recommend to people is that you mix it up and that you try and incorporate, you know, different daily practices at different times in your life, because that's what you'll respond to best. So examples of elements or aspects or options for a daily practice would include my number one favorite, uh, which of course is journaling. Then you could look and consider breath work, meditation, getting out into nature, movement, visualization, manifestation, affirmations, gratitude, daily cacao, reading stroke learning, yoga, or prayer. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it'll give you an idea of the kind of options or alternatives or possibilities that we're talking about when we talk about our daily practice. So I'm just going to maybe just refer in a little bit more detail to a few of these. Um, and I would say that at probably at some stage in my life and certainly at some stage in the last 10 years, I have practiced all of those that I've just listed out to you there. Some I really liked. 
some I continue to do today and some I just did not resonate with. Some just didn't work for me. Some I didn't enjoy. Some I really didn't like. Um, so, that you know, again, there is a bit of a lesson in that there. You have to find something that you can connect with, that resonates with you, that not just makes you feel better, but that you enjoy doing. So, Six months ago, I came across uh, a breathwork practice. Now, I'd heard about breathwork for a long time, but I suppose like many other people, I just assumed breathwork was almost like a kind of a pretentious phrase or a pretentious description of of doing something that, that we all do naturally without thinking, without having to think. And that's just breathing. But actually, of course, when I um, when I did allow myself to explore this area in more detail, I discovered that actually there was greater depth and much more content and substance behind the whole practice of breath work. So as I say, about six months ago, I was introduced to the practice for the first time. And one of the reasons why I think I was so drawn to breath work once I started to understand what it was, and one of the reasons why I continue to practice this every single day, almost every single day. But the reason why I was so attracted to it was because I struggled with, really struggled with switching off my brain, with quietening my mind, with that presence and that state of mind that you need to have and you need to be in to meditate. And so I really struggled and still to this day would would find it challenging to meditate. I know some people can just literally get themselves into the zone quite quickly and easily. And I envy you that if you're one of those people. But I couldn't. I found um, I, f- I find it hard. I find it hard to quiet my mind. I find it hard not to get distracted. And so the practice of breath work for me felt a bit like a combined effort of a guided meditation in that you're listening to somebody's voice who's talking you through the breathing exercises and the breathing techniques. And so that allowed me or allows me to focus my attention on the voice. And because of that, I find that I'm less likely to get as distracted so easily. Now, I'm not saying, uh, you know, that I don't ever get distracted. And that's why I emphasize the as distracted. But I definitely find breath work much more engaging and a much a much more pure way for me to be able to quieten my mind down. The benefits of breath work are many and, you know, including and and probably one of the the strongest, biggest benefits that that I find and a lot of my clients express to me that they find as well is the ability to keep us calm in stressful situations. And and again, that comes with the quietening of mind, but also it's one of the physical benefits that you get from being able to manage your breathing, to be able to um, engage in that breathwork technique or techniques. Um, and that can really help you when you're, you know, in a stressful situation or where you're feeling a little under pressure or you're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, breathwork can be really, really useful. So if you're someone that suffers from anxiety, or from panic attacks. I'm not saying these are the ultimate cure, but certainly, you know, this practice would be one I think that would be of benefit to you. Now, there are many breathwork practitioners and there are many excellent breathwork practitioners. Personally, I stumbled upon and and came across Nilo Muruku and you'll find him on Instagram 
his handle and I'll put it in the show notes as well is at breathe with Nile. He has an online uh, breathwork program that you can follow. Um, and I think uh, certainly when I signed up initially, I think the first module of that was free and then you've lifetime access to it, but then that you can also just subscribe um, a small monthly fee for uh, the remainder of that course. I love it. I love breathwork. I love the sound and Nile's voice. I find him very, calming but he's also very genuine very authentic and that matters a lot to me when I'm working with somebody on something like this so I would I'd encourage you to explore it see what you think of it and uh, and like with every other single practice that I'm going to talk to you about uh, in this podcast I would approach it with you know an open heart and a curious mind and um, and see how you get on with it and if it resonates with you great and if it doesn't no harm Nothing, nothing lost, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So then on to, um, as I said from the outset, my uh, strongest and most uh, favorite daily practice of them all is journaling. So uh, the benefits of journaling, I mean, again, I could do a whole and may well do a whole separate podcast on journaling. But if you think of journaling as, as almost like the, you know, the Marie Kondo for your mind, it is so powerful and so excellent at helping us organizing our mind, our thoughts. Um, and it's really, it, it, it genuinely is the application of a decluttering process for your mind. I've been journaling uh, formally and informally, honestly, without exaggeration, since I was six years of age. One of my very earliest and probably one of my only real distinct memories of me as a child is sitting as a six year old child in my bed at home um, writing and writing for me uh, from that age took me right through my teenage years uh, was such a comfort to me. It was it kept me company. And and even to this day, you know, 40 odd years or on, um, I really feel heard when I write. I've always felt heard when I write. And I can't honestly say that I've always felt heard full stop. But when I write, I do. When I write or when I journal, I don't need to filter my thoughts because I'm not worried about offending anyone. I'm not worried about upsetting anyone. I'm not worried about saying something that would make me unpopular. I'm not worried about saying something, um, as I said, that might upset somebody or not connect in with my childhood, my early adult people pleasing ways. The thought when you go to write, the thought goes from your head to the page. And when I write, when I journal, even if it's just, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes a day, I know that I'm being fully honest with myself. And I know that what comes out onto the page is my truth. And I honestly, wholeheartedly believe that this is true for all of us. Now, I know that some people find the concept of journaling to be a bit uh, not strange, but that it's, it feels a little elusive. And I would hear and have a lot of people say to me, yeah, but where do you start? What should I do? How do I know what, what I should be writing? 
Um, and it's never that helpful when I give them my answer, my stock answer, which is, you know, there is no right or wrong way to journal. You journal by just writing what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your mind. And, and yet, you know, in order to help you, what, what, I, what I'll do is I'll include in the show notes a link to my PDF, which has, I think, about 30 different journaling prompts. And so that might help you to get started and, and even just help you over that hurdle or that block of not knowing where to start. Now, ideally, the best time of the day that I would say to people when it comes to journaling is first thing. You know, if you can wake up and journal within the first 10, 15 minutes of being awake, that is your ideal optimum time to journal because no distractions, no random thoughts, no nothing that can take away your focus will have entered into your mind at that stage. And you're more likely to write a very uh, pure, undiluted version. Uh, so if you can, and I know that not everybody can, but if you can try and journal first thing in the morning. Also, don't think about journaling as, oh, I need to put aside an hour a day. I need to go out and you know, sit under a tree or I need to be, you know, at my window overlooking um, a beautiful scene in nature. You can journal anywhere, but obviously it's lovely if you can find somewhere that feels, you know, very comfortable, that feels very cozy. And you might even want to light a candle or have some nice music on in the background. But but equally, I would just say to you, at, at least at the beginning, try and give yourself 10, 15 minutes a day to get into and build the habit and build the um, the muscle of journaling each day. And then there'll be some days that you'll be happy to continue on for 30 minutes. And there'll be some days that you will struggle to finish your 10 minutes. So, you know, if it means setting your clock half an hour earlier, then just do it. But when you're doing it and when you start to journal, observe your thoughts, observe how how your thoughts are starting to change. Observe what's coming out onto the, the paper in front of you. Because I think what happens when we start journaling is we can be quite surprised that a pattern starts to emerge, that we find our thoughts are going to the same things over a period of time. So just observe that and observe as well how it's helping you to manage manage your thoughts and manage that feeling of overwhelm and also really observe the kind of clarity that journaling gives you. I love it. I would recommend it highly to everybody. Whether you're looking to make changes or transformation in your life or not, I honestly believe that if we were able to journal for 10, 15 minutes every day, we would have so much more clarity, we would have so much less overwhelm, and we would feel a lot less stressed. So please trust me on that. As somebody that is a lifelong advocate of journaling, I would beg you to give it a go. Now, I mentioned earlier that um, that I struggle with meditation um, and and it's purely because for me, meditation means having to quieten the mind, empty the mind. And that's not something that that comes really. It's not something that I, I can do instinctively and naturally. However, I can, you know, if I really prepare my environment and if I prepare my um, if you know, if I get myself psychologically ready Uh, to meditate, then of course I'm able to do it. 
but primarily with the assistance of a guided meditation. I'm a little bit funny and peculiar in that it has to be a voice of someone, not even that I trust, because I think that's a given. It ha- you know, you can't listen to a guided meditation if it's somebody that you neither like nor trust, then you're just not going to be able to connect or resonate with it. But I have this propensity to be a little bit judgmental or, yeah, judgmental is probably the right word. I was trying to think of something that might sound a little less harsh, but actually I, it, I would have to confess I can be a little bit judgmental when it comes to certain accents. And I know that this isn't a good thing. I really do. Um, and uh, I have my favorite accents and I have accents that I just don't like. And if I'm listening to somebody that is speaking with an accent that triggers me, that I find myself reacting to, well, then I'm not going to be able to get my head into the space of meditating. So it is actually really important to find a tone of voice, an accent, you know, something or somebody that you can really connect with the authenticity, that you can feel um, that the meditations are very real and they're very genuine and not in any way contrived. Well, then when you find somebody that ticks those boxes, then, you know, I would say to you, listen to their meditations on repeat. Also, as you know, you can try some of the apps that are available, like the Calm app and Headspace app, and just see what works best for you. But if you meditate and if you've given it several attempts and several goes at it and you're just not feeling it, then don't force it. Because there is no greater waste of time than sitting there with your eyes scrunched and your fists clenched and going, I must meditate, I must meditate. Because the the more you resist it, the less likely you are to be able to drop into that space. So, you know, honestly, try it for a while. Try different uh, variations, different options, whether it's guided meditation, whether it's meditation to music, whether you need music, whether you need silence, you know, just see what are the, the options and alternatives that are available to you and what works for you. And if you don't feel that anything is working, then move on and try something else. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about just even briefly is the topic and subject of manifestation. And it was one of the things that I listed at the beginning in terms of the options for a daily practice. But manifestation, oh, look, again, I think we're all feeling a little bit jaded and maybe a little bit cynical at the moment because it really seems to be the topic du jour these days. Um, And everyone seems to be talking about manifestation and um, dare I say it, a lot of the social influencers are now getting on the manifestation bandwagon. Um, But for me, I suppose the part of this practice that resonates most with me is because also I I would find it somewhat hard. I'm not a very visual person. I'm more about words and I'm more about uh, the practical side of visualization. Whereas I know that some people can really conjure up an image or a picture in their mind and, and see the colors on it and, and, and really, you know, feel the textures and, and it comes alive for them. And, I, and again, I envy anyone that has that skill because that power of visualization can be really effective and really strong. So when I'm trying to manifest, I picture 
what it is that I want. Like I visualize a large blank canvas in front of me and on it, I place images of myself doing what it is I want to do, creating what it is that I want to create or having what it is that I want to have. I fill out or I just try and picture myself almost padding or filling out that space with as much detail as possible. You know, when when I'm what, even when I'm trying to depict an image of me having something that I really want or doing something I really want to do, I think about how, how I sound. I think about how I look, what I'm wearing, who's around me, where am I? What, you know, if I'm in a, in a building, what's the room like? Where are the windows? Like I, I really try and add in and create as much detail and specificity as possible. That's not too easy for me to say with a lisp. But that detail is what really helps bring it alive for me. I expand it and then I, you know, I I do everything I can in terms of creating the image. And then I imagine myself almost stepping into that image, almost becoming that person. And that is really powerful powerful as well. What I do next then is I I move the dial in that I I see myself in the image, I have all the detail and the pictures around it, but I move the dial and I expand it then by 6 months. I picture myself six months on from that first image, having what I have, doing what I want to do, being whoever it is that I I I'm trying to be. And But actually, that word, even as I said it, I kind of thought, oh, my God, all good manifestors would give out to me for using trying because the whole power of manifestation is that you believe you are and you have and you do. So when I'm thinking of that image and I'm expanding on it, I I move on. As I said, I move on by six months. I picture myself in six months time having embodied all of that feeling. And then once I get to that point, I then move on a further six months so that I imagine myself 12 months after I have manifested what it is I want to manifest. I embody how it feels to be, to have what it is that I desire. And for me, that's what manifestation is about. For me, it's that combination of visualizing something, thinking something is as real as you want it and can imagine it and expanding on that. And so that's, I suppose, I just felt it would be important for me to talk about that because as I say, manifestation is something that seems to be such a hot topic at the moment. Now, one of the other things that I added in that list was nature. And, you know, I just don't think that you can mention daily practice and not include some aspect of nature in it, because I think whether it's getting out for your 10 minute walk whether it's, you know, whether you're just even able to breathe in fresh air, whether you're able to get, um, you know, your fix of the sea, of water, of trees, of flowers, of getting your feet on the ground, that grounding, that uh, aspect of being more present in nature gets more important to me and more necessary to me each year. It reduces my overwhelm. It makes me feel rooted and earthed. Um, And okay, you know, I'm a Taurian and it is very much the Taurian energy, particularly right now in the month of May. But that Taurian energy 
is is very much about being rooted and grounded and earthed. And if I can feel that feeling of having my feet planted, of having my roots planted, it keeps me down to earth. It keeps me grounded and it stops me from moving into a place of panic or stress or overwhelm or I can't, I'm not able. You know, that sense of being grounded is very empowering. And it helps, you know, at those times, you know, those times when a thought becomes a thing and then becomes a big thing. And before you know it, it becomes a story and a big story and a story with the background and introductions and chapters and lots of chapters and with the predictable dramatic climax. Well, that's, you know, how we create these stories in our mind. I'm good at doing that. I'm too good at doing that. And that's why I need grounding. So whether it's being surrounded by trees or being close to water, but that grounding is the evidence that you need that nature soothes you. It's not possible, I recognize, and I, you know, I, I, we have to be realistic. It's not always possible for us to, to have the time to get out to our favorite place every day. But just try at least getting out into nature at some stage every day, even if it's just getting out and walking out. And if you're lucky enough to have a garden and walking out into the back garden and taking off your shoes and socks and just put, planting your bare feet on the earth, just try and, you know, connect with earth, connect with with nature around you. And um, even like I often say to people, if you're having a really busy day at work or if you're having if you know you're going to have a really full on uh crazy week and that you're not going to get out as much as you want to. You can bring nature into the house with you, be it plants or shrubbery or trees or or leaves, not trees, uh, leaves or flowers or, you know, there are there are lots of other ways um, or even just uh, get collect water from a, a little river or um, some something near you that really represents that sense of nature and bring it into the house, bring it in onto your desk and bring nature close to you. Now, that's probably going off in a little bit of a tangent, but you know what I mean. The other thing to say at this point is that if you're thinking as you're listening to this, oh my God, where does she think I'm going to get the time to do all of these daily practices? I want to remind you, I'm not saying you need to do all of these daily practices every single day. You might just pick one of them, or indeed, you might recognize that you can do several at the same time. Now, I'll give you an example of how I manage to do several different daily practices in the same uh, period of time. So each morning, um, particularly if, if you've been following me on social media for a while, you know that this is true because I'll sometimes post videos or photographs of me in the woods, in my local woods with the dog in the mornings. So that allows me to get out into nature. It allows me to practice movement. It also obviously has the added benefit of taking the dog out for, for her walk as well. Um, but also when I'm there very early in the morning and there's no one around, I will often talk to myself as I'm walking along. I'll do meditations. I'll do visualizations. I'll um, do the calling in, asking for help. Um, so like I could literally have 
uh, finished my walk in the morning by half past seven and have done three, four, five different daily practices. Or when you sit down to do your journaling, you might say, right, I'm going to do 10 minutes journaling and then 10 minutes of reading or learning from a book or learning from something inspirational. Um, or I might even use it as a time for prayer or a time to, you know, sit with your cup of cacao. So again, there's, you know, one sitting, one small grouping of our period of time will allow you to group together a few different practices. So be smart with your time. You're more likely to repeat these practices if they feel achievable and do and doable. Okay. Um, I now want to just talk to you about the other, uh, one of the others that I listed at the beginning, which is the asking for help. And this is something that we tend to overlook. Like when we list daily practices, we, you know, we, it's easy enough to rattle off meditation, affirmations, journaling, yoga, etc. But one of the things I think that we can miss out on and miss an incredible opportunity is to be able to ask for help. And we forget that we can ask for that help from whoever it is that we speak to. So it might be spirit or energy or God or Mary. It might be Gaia. It might be the Divine Mother. It might be nature. It might be your ancestors, maybe friends or family who have died. It might be your angels or your guardian angel or your spirit guides. It's whoever you feel comfort from, whoever you feel a presence with. And all you need to do is to say or to ask, guide me, lead me, show me the way, give me a sign. I would often, when I'm out in my early morning walks, I'd often, if, you know, in the past, maybe, especially when I was starting the business and I was, you know, trying to rustle up clients and rustle up uh, new pieces of work, I, I'd often just walk along going, send Send clients to me, send clients my way who need to hear what I have to teach or who need to, to hear what I have to say, who I can help. Send them my way. That's, and sometimes that was the only, the only way, way that I would sort of almost market myself was that I'd ask for help. I'd say, you know, if I, if I had to make a decision or if I had to make a tough decision or if I was looking to make a financial decision, I would also say, show me a sign that I'm on the right track. Give me a nudge. Give me a gentle nudge. And I'd also just add in here that, you know, anytime that I ever ask for anything, of anyone, whether it's my angels, my guardian angels, or Mary, or God, or dad, or, you know, anyone that it is that I'd ask for help, I'd always finish my request with grant me this or something better. Um, now, that, of course, that whole asking for help links in very much with our spirituality. And for a lot of people, I know that this can kind of raise some confusion in that people think spirituality is so linked with religion. But what I would say to you is spirituality is not about it's not just about faith because it is about faith, but it's not just about faith. It's about experience. The more we ask, the more we experience. The more we all experience, the more we get used to asking. So it's kind of, you know, one feeds off the other. 
And the more we ask, the more we can learn to trust and not feel that we're on our own. Because that's the whole point of this. We were never meant to do this on our own. We're not meant to do the business of life on our, or on our own. So ask for help. Now, before I finish up, I just want to talk about the tough love energy aspect of all of this. And I've kind of hit on it a couple of times throughout this podcast that, you know, it's very it might sound very easy, very idealistic for me to sit here and list off all the daily practices that you could be doing and should be doing. But I I do just want to remind you that nobody is saying you need to do all of them. But what I am saying is you need to do some of them. So my first piece of tough love energy in this podcast is this. Do not be a busy fool. Now, you can stay busy. You can keep yourself distracted. You can keep coming up with excuses of, oh, I'd love to be able to journal, but I don't have the time. Oh, I'd love to be able to meditate, but I'm just not able. Or I'd love to be able to do uh, visualizations or affirmations or any of these things. But isn't it well for you that has the time? I don't. It's your choice. If you want to insert a new daily practice, it's about finding 10 minutes within your day. If you don't have those 10 minutes, set your clock for 15 minutes earlier and get up and do it. So do not be a busy fool. The second thing I'd say is really to to work hard at finding what works best for you. Not what's the most popular, not what's the latest fad, not what everyone else is doing. What do you resonate with? What do you feel is making a difference for you? What do you feel, um, you know, what just feels right for you? If it's meditation, if it's visualization, if it's movement, if it's yoga, if it's breath work, if it's reading books, if it's prayer, whatever it is, that resonates, find it and stick with it and do it because it works, not because it's the most popular. Third thing, start slowly. It's so much easier to be able to add an extra daily practice or to vary your daily practices, um, but just start small. You're far more likely to keep going and to be consistent if you, you know, introduce something um, small and something discreet. So start slowly. And then the fourth point is start where you are, but just start. Trust me, from a reformed cynic and from a very definite former eye roller, doing these practices really can bring about some very powerful, significant transformative shifts. For me, it's at the root of all transformation, because then we can layer upon layer. We can add tools, we can add techniques and ways to manage uh, different experiences. But if if we don't have the daily practice, it's almost like trying to um, build a house without a foundation. So look on daily practice as being your, your starting ground and your introductory. I really hope that that is going to give you some idea and some help towards, you know, finding a daily practice that might work for you. And maybe just before I I sign off here, just to recap on some of the areas or some of the practices that might make up your daily practice list. Journaling, breath work, 
meditation, nature, movement, visualization, manifestation, affirmations, gratitude, your daily cacao, reading and learning, yoga, Pilates, prayer. Find one of those, start with one of those and see how you get on. So thank you so much for today's episode of Tough Love Energy. Thank you for listening. Um, I really do hope that you found it useful. I'd love to hear what takeaways you got from this episode. Um, and I'd also ask maybe to come and find me on Instagram. I'm at one knee Venice, the number one knee Venice. And let me know how this podcast is helping you. Also, let me know what other topics you'd like me to cover. Um, And, you know, it's so great to be able to uh, take on board your feedback, take on board your suggestions. So I know that this episode is one that you want because it's one you've asked for. So get tougher with yourself on going after what it is you want, but be gentle on yourself when you get there. I'd also love, really love, if you went over and subscribed to the show, to the Tough Love Energy podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And also, I, I suppose if you're an Apple podcast user, then it would be terrific if you could leave me a five star review so I can help get this information out in front of more people. As a little thank you, I'm going to add in the show notes, as I said, a free PDF of the journaling prompts. Do do follow that link and uh, see how you find them and see how they'll help you with your journaling. So thank you for today. I really enjoyed doing this. I hope you enjoy listening to it and I can't wait to speak to you soon.